Hey, welcome to the Road and Morale podcast. Did you ever feel like screaming out in the office on Zoom or outside the school gate? For the love of God, come on, really? And if this is you and you're looking for an honest, fun and frank podcast on life and business, then sit back and listen to me, Rona Morrell. I'll be bringing great people on the show to talk, share and debate their life experiences and business challenges. Keeping the show unpolished, but with a fun and unique British style. With sarcasm, tenacity, or maybe a few swear words or tears. This podcast keeps it real, honest, raw, and removes the bullshit in the only way I know how. Through authenticity and getting shit done. Think of it less like the Housewives of New York or Towie with the lipo and drama, and more like the house lives of the real world. I hope you'll take something away to be better informed, laugh, smile, or maybe even finally get in the confidence to shout, come on really. So enjoy. Hey Cliff, how are you? Welcome to the Rhonda Morrell podcast. Thank you so much for the invite. You're very welcome. It's good to see your face again. I know we've been having quite a bit of banter on Facebook recently. Um, Listen, the, for all the listeners out there, I am delighted to have um, Cliff on the Rona Morrell podcast today. And Cliff joined Lewis Silkin back in 2006 as a partner after spending over a decade, I don't want to tell them your age, but over a decade working in music and broadcasting. Um, I know that you spearhead the media and entertainment um, division of Lewis Silkin and have done for quite some time and I know that you focus on content-based entertainment so you span so many sectors but some of them to include FMCG, lifestyle, agencies, digital etc. I also know that the media and entertainment division is ranked in the legal 500 and as such as someone who spearheads both of those directories you're also ranked as a, a leading individual Um, in that industry don't I roll you are you are Um, and if that's not enough um, you're also the um, founder and director of Eleven which focuses is a business consultancy around um, disruptive business models and that's something we're going to talk about a bit today but again you focus on digital uh, media film and sports which is how we first met was through an iSport Connect actually event and when you were up on stage, I just I, I kind of thought, yeah, here's a man that I think I can connect with. He's got a great vibe um, and really thought provoking. I think that was the thing that, that kind of drew me to, to you. Um, that was probably maybe four or five years ago. Um, so what we're going to talk about today is something that I, I think I know a bit about, but actually probably scares me. Um, and it's this whole element around Bitcoin, blockchain and, and AI and how you're bringing that to the world and your visions for the future of that so I'm going to fire straight over to you and I'll just dive in with some questions as we go. Great well thank you for that um, and actually Rony, thank you very much for that kind introduction thank you for the kind <laughs> invitation. Um, I also you know all of that is all of course correct but I very much like the way that I think of it is I very much pivoted from a content lawyer to a context lawyer and you might think what does that mean? Yeah. And actually, um, you know, you can say that content companies are sort of classic movie studios or platforms. But if you see how they've all pivoted in a kind of a Netflix and Disney Plus and Hulu world, they've realized that actually we've become a context world. We've become a world of uh, networked platforms. And you mentioned chatting on Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn, etc. Those are context businesses. 
right? Traditionally, they haven't been content owners, yet they are the primary drivers of that particular world. And it's a whole new iteration of what we understood to be the internet 20 years ago. And now it's a whole new world. So having said all of that, um, drawing those all together, that brings me on to my sort of passion for the last decade or so in relation to areas of blockchain and artificial intelligence. And they are, you know, I've got some people who think they're just buzzwords or things that are thrown around. Yeah. But actually, when you break them down and demystify them a little bit, you can actually find out, okay, I see what that means. Um, so please, please, please help me and the listeners demystify <laughs> this world then, because that's, that's, yeah, I'd love to know more. Yeah, I think, well, I think uh, fake news, um, num uh, number one, is that this is a new technology. So we'll start with blockchain. Um, and uh, the words blockchain and Bitcoin are used interchangeably. And hopefully after this chat, you'll no longer use them in that particular way. Um, so, yeah, but people have been talking about blockchain as a new technology. It's over a decade old. So that's not particularly new. No. Um, and in the ashes of the first financial crisis in 2008 in 2009 a white paper appeared online from a person or persons called satoshi nakamoto mm. and satoshi's paper talked about a world of um, eliminating the digital double spend right now, i asked what does that mean mm. well it's solving one of the biggest issues that we've had in digital which was how do you create something unique in an online environment? So if I send you a photo from my phone, a wholly appropriate photo, of course, <laughs> please, keep it clean. Um, um, you wouldn't actually be receiving the photo. You'd be receiving a copy of the photo. There'd be one on my phone and one on your phone. Yeah. So really, I've sent you a copy. I haven't sent you the thing itself. And along the line as well, there'll be cached copies and backups and things in the cloud, et cetera, et cetera. So one of the biggest issues that I've had was how do you create scarcity? Mm. And that could be in the world of online. You know, if you were a photo library, how could you have a world where someone didn't right click and just take your stuff? Which, of course, is what the music industry went through in the Napster world. Yeah. And of course, the biggest barrier to be, being a digital currency would be the elimination of the double spend. If I had digital money, yeah. how could I make sure I wasn't just copying what was in my account and going to yours? That would be wonderful though, wouldn't it? Yeah, and that's essentially all a bank does. So I, I've banked with First Direct now for 24 years and digital money that I've never touched, I would call someone in the old days and now I do it on an app that confirms if I send you one pound from my bank account and it goes to yours, that it leaves mine and goes to yours. So that's at the essence of blockchain technologies. Right. What's the whole, could we resolve the digital double spend? And Satoshi's white paper outlined a protocol, um, which was essentially that what would happen is that using a distributed ledger um, and protected by algorithms and in a way that would essentially be fraud proof, mean you could essentially create digital money. Right. And then a few months later, Bitcoin arrived based on that paperwork. And uh, Satoshi still believed to be the biggest holder of Bitcoin. Do you think he so, was the one who he created Bitcoin secretly yeah, or? Yeah. Right. OK. Yeah. 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 So and so and, and so Bitcoin and blockchain are used interchangeably because Bitcoin was the first but 
absolutely not the only iteration of blockchain technologies. Right. So it sits on that. And essentially, um, in order to hack a Bitcoin transaction, it would create, it would, sorry, it would require a computing power 20 times of Google globally to hit one transaction at the same time. Wow. So the blockchain, using the distributed way that the nodes reconcile, and essentially you have got this massive record where everyone is holding tiny little bits of keys and they can only be matched together in a way that sort of, uh, again, you might have heard of crypto security and things like yep. that cryptographic securities using underlying algorithms means that essentially a transaction on the Bitcoin blockchain probably takes about eight minutes to reconcile and go through. Right. Compare that to a bank. Bank, which, yeah. You know, it could take you three days, remember, or five days. Five. For, for a check to clear, you could now do it in nine minutes. And of course, at the essence of that, it essentially takes away the need for a bank. Right. This also explains one of the other questions that I'm often thrown, which is why do banks not like Bitcoin? Hmm. It's going to kind of put you out of a job. Hmm. Let's think I about want, that. And of course, there are, and arguments are thrown around, which is, you know, oh, it can get stolen. Yeah. Or it's used for bad things like drug running or hitmen or prostitution. Or, and of course, that is exactly the same of. As, as is now yeah I was going to say I don't think we'll ever be in, a, in a, a tech world where we eliminate prostitution or drug running and all of those things they're always going to find a way oh no and cash is even better for those I mean you yeah know, like you, said, you know if you if you want to hire a, if you want to hire a, gun, a gunman it's probably best you don't use somewhere where there is an immutable worldwide held record of that transaction so, <laughs> But, but essentially that was the start of it. Right. And what has been built on top of that is really interesting. So, you know, it's almost like if we were still banging on about the World Wide Web, and it's one of the reasons why I'm sort of want to hand wave, a, everyone is obsessed with how does it work? How does it work? You know, no one bangs on about how does the internet work, right? The more important question is what can it be used for? For, yeah. So in that world, we do need to focus upon what it can be used for. So digital money is one essence of it, but actually it's anywhere that there's a double spend. So I have clients of mine who are using it for um, doing everything from tracking fine wines. You right. buy a crate of wine somewhere and you want to make sure using blockchain technologies that people can't fiddle with the resources that the same one that has gone through. It's all about digital records. Right. And you realize that so much of what goes on online is about trust. And the, that, I think, is the best short-term description of what blockchain does, which is it's a trust machine. Right. It allows two people with no particular reason to trust each other to know that is that person because that has been verified cryptographically. That money is going to go there. That person is who they say they are. So and how do you realise that so many intermediary businesses are simply based upon checking you are whom you are? That's what Airbnb does. That's what Uber does. That's what all of these, I would say, intermediate companies stand potentially to be disintermediated if your digital ID and your, um, your location and your method of payment have all been verified in virtually real time cryptographically. It allows whole new business models to bloom. And that's why 
a lot of people have been banging on about blockchain. So to try and make that real for, I guess, for, for me, the reality then is that we, we could live in a world where, you know, there aren't banks and Airbnbs. We don't need a passport. We don't need credit cards, all of these things. But why, you know, how does someone like me get involved in it? How do I start embracing it and understanding that world? Well, I think for me, you know, um, yeah. So, I mean, some people have been speculating using, you know, because that there are people you know, who speculate how quickly a cockroach is going to go across a floor, but, you know, so the whole Bitcoin world, et cetera, et cetera. You know, one of the first ever Bitcoin transactions was from a developer who paid for um, a pizza using 10,000 Bitcoin. Right. Okay. That pizza is worth about 80 million pounds because of the inherent value of what people have done. And there are lots of people who think that in a world of quantitative easing, we're in a world where Federal Reserve can just chuck out a few trillion, etc. Whereas actually blockchain is completely, it's utterly scarce. There will only ever be so many Bitcoin, it can be sliced up in many different ways and can't be fiddled in that way. And right. also in the world where in the past, um, there was a flight to gold because we think it's resource, a scarce resource. There was one guy at a, hacker, a Bitcoin hackathon who told me, yeah, and if they found out that one of the pyramids under a few layers of brick was made of pure gold it yeah. would send the entire financial system into spiral. meltdown because we think it's scarce whereas actually bitcoin is scarce and it's controlled and there's a ledger that does that so you've got this whole idea of digital scarcity you've got an idea of digital provenance and really in the last 25 30 years we've let go of scarcity we've let go of provenance we've let go of privacy Mm. And, you know, if you can secure your privacy cryptographically and then also the next layer of it. So if you imagine the sort of blockchains, because there's not just one yeah. there's Bitcoin protocol, but there's hundreds of not thousands of blockchains out there now that have been built. People have been building very interesting things on top of them. Um, and there is a world. Um, so we uh, have heard of things called smart contracts, where essentially what you can do is that you can program transactions on the blockchain that say right send this to rona but she can only open it on her birthday and only spend it in these particular three shops you know right. so you can start programming into a transaction the rules around conditions. it and that's why they're called smart contracts they're not smart and they're not contracts but apart from that it's perfect um so to, but to, i'm not dodging your question i'm going to come to an answer on that one which yeah. is actually Blockchain only gets interesting when it gets really, really boring. Okay. <laughs> um, and the way that one, how it can and ultimately will be worked. So there's a lot of people that thought that in and of itself, it would just change the world and free everything. But we kind of thought that about Twitter and we kind of thought that about Facebook. And, you know, in the first dot-com boom, people thought if you got the right URL, you know, you could get chocolateteapot.com and then you could do an IPO, etc. Yeah. We continually stumble as we move forward. Um, blockchain gets really, really interesting when digital identities are secure. When globally right. people who have never had any kind of record or vote, oh, I don't know, if only there are any recent examples where you'd want to make sure a paper-based system wasn't being interfered with. So for the listeners right now, when, when this goes out, which isn't immediately, 
<laughs> we are on day three of the presidential election. Let me just exactly. put that out there. <laughs> exactly. And also, but um, if you think about how much of your life is based upon paper-based records, the house that you're in is yeah. registered somewhere on a land registry. That process of conveyancing is mostly 12 weeks of heartache of checking. And checking records are up to date and checking there isn't a charge on the property and checking that the record is correct and making sure that it hasn't been interfered with and everyone has to be able to rely on that you know whilst it's been digitized it's not been cryptographically secure yeah so if at the age of birth you can have people's id their resonance their things and you can build trust into the system and i mentioned the date very very specifically about 2008 2009 because of course that's when the world starts to fall in and be really, really concerned about not only centralized systems, yeah. but there was a fundamental breakdown of trust. So what for me represents the biggest opportunity for blockchain is the opportunity to essentially create and put trust back in the system because that's all that PayPal does. And I think that's probably something that like me and others, um, we don't trust what's out there now. So this whole new scary secret, you know, world that we don't understand, or, you know, when, when we think about me becoming a, a, a digital Bitcoin or um, blockchain, sorry, it's, it's kind of like that, that information's there then for the world and who could do what with that information. And, and it's really hard to, to, to trust in it who's running it i suppose it's easy to say well we've got the head of lawyers and the federal bank and but they're crap at doing what they do so allegedly <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no 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 but people don't trust it so if you were able to basically inject a level of cryptographic trust and yes there are going to be comment out there yes they're going to do that people say oh well you know i've heard there's been some digital wallets that have been hacked so, yeah and if you leave your pin number on your desk someone will, have, you know, that's just the way, well, I can't, it's, it's technology, not magic. Of course. But if we can use blockchain technologies and blockchain-based systems in order to be able to create trust, provenance, identity, security. Um, and also what we want to do is at the heart of it is understanding that centralized points of power, and that can be government, those can be businesses, that can be media, used to be seen as huge elements of strength. Mm. Now they're seen as they're not. Now, some of it has been everything from the MPs, you know, scandal, which from a UK perspective, you know, people now historians are saying started something in terms of breaking the fundamental trust yeah. of what went on between ourselves and the kind of moral compact that we had with government, et cetera, et cetera. And this stuff might all sound a bit sort of esoteric and highfalutin, but they are all absolutely linked and they're playing themselves out in politics um, not only in the US, but certainly in the UK. Yeah. Um, and also that we are being riven. So, and also people feel that they can't trust their eyes or they can't trust the news or they yeah. can't trust vaccines or they can't trust. So it all comes back to trust. And I think there is a world where blockchain technologies, distributed ledger technologies, cryptographically secured technologies and a decentralized opportunity mm. create a way of being able to inject trust again. So let's go far out and let's go, what if um, we completely flipped to this world and there was complete, complete trust? What are we saying would be the impacts on the likes of, you know, passport offices and Airbnbs and banks? What, what would happen? 
Well, you know, the thing is, is they don't necessarily have to change their, they don't have to go out of business. The question is, will they, will they embrace it or not? Mm. So, you know, the smarter ones are already using that kind of technology in order to be able to inject trust. Um, Facebook last year, you know, they're desperate to do what um, happens in China. So in China, what, there's a huge platform called WeChat. Yeah, I use that. I used to work in China last year, so we use that quite a lot. So, and, and it's interesting how many people in Western countries aren't aware of it. But essentially, it's like a Facebook feed come Amazon, come entire life in, a, in your feed. And if you want to think about what Facebook Messenger is turning into, Mm. why they bought whatsapp and why they're trying to do that now facebook have said quite openly they want to uh be as easy to send money as it is to send a picture right and they have built something called their libra project which is using trying to adopt distributed ledger technologies there is a fascinating letter from the u.s senate where basically says what you're doing could tip over our banking system. You must stop this right now. So Ooh. we're going through this world and the music industry did it with Napster and the, um, you know, the taxi industry is doing it with Uber and uh, retailers are doing it with Amazon. It's that kind of painful, you know, peripubescent world where people are wrestling with the inevitable. Yeah. The real question is, is if they can start using those systems, in order to inject trust, they're probably supercharged. And banks are the biggest, you know, some say they're the biggest beneficiaries of fraud. They're the first people that fraud has perpetrated on. They waste billions yeah. on illegal transactions. So again, um, a friend of mine puts it beautifully, which is most businesses used to make money under the table. What they're now finding with blockchain is there's, there's more money on the table than under it. They just haven't realized it yet. No. And actually, just in that very statement around, if you just took the global value alone of fraudulent, wasted billions, what could we do with those billions in a positive environment, be it climate change, be it poverty, whatever? Why wouldn't you want to do that? Yeah. And, you know, if you were able to send digital currency to people in a crisis, a hurricane, a tornado, or an earthquake, or you could make sure that the money that you donated in order to build housing, that the mm. infrastructure has actually gone from a steel yard in Finland and actually arrived and be able to verify. Because right now, I can tell you, you don't. You don't. You just don't because um, everyone's so, it feels like everyone's kind of taken a chunk as it goes down that supply chain and, sure. and corruption and then sure so the real question is is how do you reward all of those people instead of making them feel that they have to take you know and what we have found is that when you find the value proposition people will pay you they just may not pay you for the same thing yeah so uh, you know in a media example as well disney used to monetize uh, scarcity um you remember even their vhs videos it's going to age me somewhat <laughs> they would only oh my god available for for a short time and they charged 20 quid when everybody else was charging 12.99 and you know now they've had to pivot to a disney plus world yeah That's right we will give you constant direct access to disney and all of those people that were in the middle like hmvs and tower records and blah blah, blah we cut all of them out yeah and now if they hadn't pivoted to that 
that company could be in significant problem in the pandemic. Mm, definitely. Right? So by adopting and pivoting and understanding the value of the Disney brand now is about giving constant refreshed exclusive content direct, you know, a year 180 pivot in their content strategy yeah. to more content strategy. And of course, the technologies that will enable that are going to be ones that can take money direct and not going to have chargebacks and fraud, et cetera, et cetera. And then comes on to the other element, which I wanted to chat about, which is about algorithms and AI. Yeah. And the ability to be able to, instead of spending trillions on creating a whole bunch of content and hoping you might like some of it, which is the equivalent of, you know, flinging you know what at the wall and seeing what sticks. Yeah. Actually, you've got a company like Netflix that uses algorithms to know to the beat to uh, what you will like, Rona, and what your family would like, and what your daughters would like, and also, yeah. more importantly, what you don't know what you're going to like yet. And that's at the heart of Amazon. They understand before you know you want to buy it, what you want to buy, yeah. because they're using algorithms and they're using machine learning in order to be able to understand and optimize. Um, so I think that the artificial intelligence world, you know, we immediately go to sci-fi, we immediately go to the Terminator or <laughs> element as well but we're all carrying a form of artificial intelligence in our pockets you know every every yeah. single phone i won't say the names because various devices will fling off around me as it were. <laughs> um but everyone thinks um you know about singularity or consciousness or those sorts of things and those sorts of things are they're not quite science fiction but they're a bit out there but using machine learning which is a mass way of being able to uh, understand the world and I don't know, if you're a driver, you probably use something like Waze, you know, that used forms of artificial intelligence using algorithms in order to optimize many of the deliveries for your home deliveries, whatever parcel company you use or furniture, mm. use artificial intelligence in order to be able to optimize and make things very, very efficient. And we're also being able to personalize content and uh, elements. Now, this has been, of course, somewhat to date because it's been a bit kids with guns. Right. And now you can see the social platforms realizing that people have been using artificial intelligence and algorithms to invert their truth, you know. So, yeah, obviously, you know, if they've been fascinating studies that, you know, if you what does your Facebook feed or your Instagram feed look like if you leave or if you remain? And in America, it's been somewhat more weaponized with regard to, you know, people who vote Republican right now. There's a good, good majority of them who think that. Um, um, Biden is worse than you know Fidel Castro or you know, yeah, uh, and they they genuinely are live in fear. And, and I think that's that Biden and Echo using that stuff. Yeah, and I think recently when I delved more into that word, and I guess the social dilemma showed that you just realised that you 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 think your views are your views, and you're surrounded by everyone who thinks the same as you, and and you know that deep down there are a million sides to a story, but. It, it, it pushes you and, and even through the presidential election now the way you know the president can tweet something and it makes people react to the extent of you know violence and just for a freedom of a vote it's really scary yeah and that's been weaponized now again this just goes to show people saying oh this means algorithms bad no this means algorithms powerful yes and even with what's happened with the social platforms i think twitter's had an incredible election Mm. actually have you seen how the reporting so trump would tweet you know the sky is green and everywhere trump says sky is green 
right? Now all of the headlines are Trump baselessly claims, you know, falsely claims. That hasn't happened for six or seven years. Yeah. So, and you're also seeing a world where these realizing that just simply having an open platform without necessarily a form of, um, because there is no objective truth. There's objective views, sorry, there's subjective views and there is, um, you know, but you can't have subjective truth. Yeah. Today is Friday, you know, and you can scream fake news all you like, as it were, but it really is. Yeah. Um, And that's what we need to, you know, and again, it's because as we, these things understand and settle down, and that's where I think things like um, blockchain and decentralized ledgers can help inject some trust. Yes. So um, we could artificial intelligence, a wonderful element, uh, artificial intelligence is driverless cars. Now, um, driverless cars, the technology, so Tesla have just released their full self-driving beta and it works. And right. they have a technology um, in order to be able to simply the car driving itself. Now, they're, they're, they're clearly sort of vanguards in this, but in the next 10 years, probably going to see more and more of that. Yeah. You'd better hope that there is a decentralized, cryptographically protected way so that people couldn't hack that. So, yeah, again, so, so it comes into pretty much how I see almost, um, if you can envisage strands of DNA, yeah. uh, how blockchain technologies and artificial intelligence can interact and also with the number of technologies sorry the number of transactions that blockchain technology would be recording only artificial intelligence only robotic process automation only machine learning only algorithms are going to be able to keep up with it yeah because our mind can't correct and the thing that links them all is algorithms you know so um people often say oh there aren't going to be any jobs oh there's going to be loads of jobs right now but they're not going to be based upon what we've always known. Yeah. Correct. Correct. And in the same way, you know, and, and again, there's a, there's a, you know, one of my things, just because of the background I've got is um, I'm sort of a subject matter expert in artificial intelligence and music. And, um, you know, I do a lot of teaching and then all of them, they have the same visceral reaction, even though they're young. Yeah. They love the idea of driverless cars they love the fact that everything's personalized. They love that everything's on demand. But then I say, oh, but the machine can't compose music. That's outrageous. And it can, by the way. It can, yeah. I'm like, look, I feel, look, I, it's a tool. Now, you can do bad things with a hammer. You can yeah. do really, really good things with a hammer. So the question is, how are we going to use this tool? And I feel no more need to apologize to a musician for working with artificial intelligence as I do need feel the need to apologize to a horse before i get into a tesla right it's right. just not what it's going to be and the and real I, question is is how is it going to be and how do you want to get there yeah and i think that's the thing it's like what <clears throat> if this feels ultimately it's inevitable this is going to continue to develop and grow and become part of our lives you know so i look at it as an individual and go how do brands and contents and leaders and banks, how do they help me understand it and drive that trust into adapting with it? And how do I make sure that I'm continually educated so I'm aware for my children and my children's children? It's really quite, the only thing that I guess scares me more than anything, it's not the trust, it's not the technology, it's not 
the job losses because I, I genuinely do believe there's a whole new world of opportunities out there. It's the human element of, of, of life. And I think if anything we've learned this year is very much that core need to be connected with people and emotions. That's the bit that would frighten me. I think that's right. And that's one of the reasons why I'm a technology advocate, but I'm not, I don't worship it. And actually, you know, the, the heart of, um, I think it's great that we don't have to send kids up chimneys anymore. I think it's great that, you know, people don't have to have agrarian worlds where they have to do backbreaking work for the majority of it. Um, in our lifetime, Rona, people were saying, you know, people used to have to, you know, um, uh, file paperwork or learn to type or do all of this stuff. And there was this whole idea of it would just, oh, no, you just get new jobs. Yeah. With new elements of it. And actually, um, there's a friend of mine who works with from a science fiction perspective, you know, you've either got um, Blade Runner or you've got Star Trek, right? You know, where you end up with this dystopian world where it's all choked and dark and robots run everything and blah, blah. Or you've got a Star Trek world where actually we realise that, you know, technology means that we don't have to do crap anymore and we can focus on exploration and looking into ourselves and looking outwards. Yeah. Now, don't want to depress you, but Blade Runner was set in 2020. So it looks a bit more Blade Runner than Star Trek right now. Um, <laughs> but if we can, and look, you know, there is absolutely no way we would have been able to map the human genome right. without technology like this. Yeah. Without that understanding of the genome, you wouldn't get what will be um, reliably informed, going to be the rapid, um, uh, you know, sort of uh, um, production of uh, uh, vaccines. There's not going to be one, there's going to be two or three yeah but they work and they work because we understand dna and rna in a world that we've never been able to done that before and if that can allow us to reconnect as human beings and you know there is a sense now not just politically but you know given the pandemic and given the other elements of as well of what do we build back to mm. and there seems to be a feeling and perhaps it's not going to be over optimistic and who knows maybe this prediction will age badly but a bit of a breaking of a fever and right we'll focus on what is really, really important. And all those things we took for granted. Yeah. And actually how we were all about a very much in focus, sorry, inwardly focused, nativist, protectionly angry world where we realise all those things that we had, we actually had it really well. Yeah, and actually, even though I fear the, 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 the loss of human element, actually the opportunity is that if we embrace the technology, we trust the technology, we move with it, we hopefully free up way more time to spend with our families and spend time in nature and focus on climate and poverty and things like that. Maybe that's what this world can give us. I, I, I guess a lot of people's distrust and frustration is that they don't feel like they have a choice or they can influence power. And so therefore, whilst there's money to be made, it's always going to be in that same realms with the same people. Um, and and that, that distrust is always going to be there. But it's an exciting future, but still one that I think most of us, we don't realise that we're already embracing it. You know, somebody moaned on Facebook the other day that, oh, this track and trace, they're going to know where I am and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, mate, I've you've got, got a mobile phone. 
<laughs> if you've got a mobile phone, you use Gmail or leave your house. That 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 ship sailed a long, long time ago. Exactly. Long time ago. Or again, you know, just well, I won't even say the names because it will end up yeah. ruining the podcast. But you know, with regard to if you just say certain names, you realize how much artificial intelligence there is in your life. So the idea that you're going to hold this back is nonsense. The idea that it's going to be in and of itself evil, nonsense. The real question is going to be what we do with it. But if you just look at what has led to these fundamental breakdowns in trust mm. and what has weaponized them and what has done it, it's almost like let's um, take back control. Um, let's use these technologies to inject trust back into the system. Let's use the algorithms in order to be able to scan and stop fake news and stop nonsense about 5G, you know, sort of, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, it's again, you, grown up, sensible people. Yeah. And, you know, it's like every single time we've seen it before, before the dark ages, there's a form of enlightenment. And the form of the dark ages is always a refutation of science. It's always a refutation of um, technology. It's always a refutation of experts. Yeah. Um, whenever anyone starts deriding experts, you know you're on a dark, dark path. And it happened in the 1930s. It happened in the, you know, in the medieval times, and it's happened right a bit right now. But then after that, you know, after that, as night follows day, and then more importantly, day follows night. There's a period of enlightenment. So let's yeah. hope. Let's hope. And you know, I spent the 80s completely a fear that i'd be dying in nuclear fire which is no way for a child to think <laughs> that's pretty intense but... <laughs> no, 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 but uh, you know how much if you look back at the um from pop to tv to etc et we were yeah. reliably informed um that there was going to be a nuclear war yeah and then you had um you know you had the financial crisis and 1989 big bang and blah etc 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 and then it ushered in the 90s where you had a whole focus on the environment, a whole focus on a much wider thing, much more inclusivity. We joined a European Union of Nations, et cetera, et cetera. You had the Good Friday. So, you know, it, it, whilst it feels like these are unprecedented times, they're not unprecedented. Mm. Um, they're cyclical. Yeah. I've always this will happen again. That, you know, of course it's going to happen again. Never again in business means eight years. Fact. Um, <laughs> so we just forget and what happens is is that you know we look over and because the earth is round yes it is round no it's not it's flat <laughs> exactly. um the parabola of it means that you can't see behind it that doesn't mean because it isn't there or it wasn't there no do you know what i i could honestly pick your brains and talk about this for for hours i'm really i'm excited about it i'm intrigued about it do i feel like i could talk about it a bit better now yes so thank you um you've made it a lot more real for me and 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 hopefully for the listeners as well so um thank you so so much um maybe in six months or another year we'll do this again and see if some of those predictions and you know the winners and losers in this world and I think the key to what you say is around those that embrace it for the good the reality is Yes, there'll be those that embrace it for the bad, but that will always be, as you say, day follows night and night follows day. So Cliff, thank you so, so much. I really appreciate it. I hope the listeners have really enjoyed this session as well. And um, yeah, thanks again. Pleasure. Stay well.
I will do. Take care, Cliff. Bye. So that's it. You've made it. The show's over. Thank you for being with us. I hope you've been able to take something away, maybe solve a problem, or just know you're not alone. Here's hoping it made you smile with a few laughs along the way. Please feel free to find me on all social media channels, and you can subscribe to my YouTube channel. Just search the Rony Morale podcast. Have an awesome day, and see you next time.